What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey friends, Bill Press here. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. I want to be sure you know my new book is out. Uh, Not so subtle. The title, Trump Must Go. The top 100 reasons to dump Trump and one, maybe, to keep him. It's available anywhere books are sold. Um, Best place to get it is go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Special discount there for ordering the book and a way that you can add your own reasons to dump Trump. Let's do it now. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yeah, Republicans tell Christine Ford, yeah, we want to hear from you, but on our terms only. Hey, what do you say, everybody? It is a Thursday, Thursday, September 20. Good to see you today, and it's uh, so good to have you with us as we kick off the Bill Press Show here. Bringing you up to date on all the news of the day, such as it is here in Washington, D.C., most of it still centering around the debate um, and the question about whether Dr. Christine Ford will come to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday. Chuck Grassley, the chairman, backed up by all those um, spineless Republicans on the committee and in the uh, Republican caucus of the Senate, has said, okay, Monday, it's Monday or not at all. You show up Monday or you don't get a chance to testify. Forget having the FBI investigate uh, your claims. We want to be the ones to do it. We want to call you in. We want to grill you. And if you don't come on Monday, too bad. We're going to vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh anyway. Just shows that nothing has changed since 1991 and Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. Meanwhile, Donald Trump down in North Carolina and a little bit of South Carolina yesterday. Uh, the consoler in chief down there to uh, tell people he'll even help call their insurance companies if he has to, to get them the money they need to rebuild in areas where they probably should not have been allowed to build in the first place. It's the Bill Press Show. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day. Send us your uh, comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Be part of the conversation. You are our number one guest. Send us your comments on Twitter again, at BP Show. Lots and lots to talk about, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Here is the story of Amber Gonzalez. (laughs) She is from Waukesha, Wisconsin. She was arrested because uh, she was picked up for theft at a hotel. And when she was arrested, they brought her to the police station. They put her in a holding cell, and they left her there while they were trying to process some stuff. She's 97 pounds. She slipped out of the handcuffs. 
and walked out the front door of the police station. No. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I have to admire this. You yeah. know, like, yeah. the, you, you have to give it a shot at least. She was able to get out of the handcuffs, left the holding area, and escaped, walked out the front door. Uh, she walked over to a gas station where she met up with one of her friends. Uh, and uh, they eventually rearrested her oh, about an oh, hour okay. after her escape. They had gotten a tip that she was out. Uh, and actually back at the same hotel where she had been arrested. So this time... Not too smart. This time they got her. They got her for good. Uh, By the way, yesterday, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA, he's been... There have been some allegations, not against him particularly, but because of the culture, the corporate culture inside the Dallas Mavericks. He acknowledged that he had not done a very good job (laughs) with acknowledging this and bringing it to light. And yesterday he announced... He was going to donate $10 million to women's advocacy groups. This was after an independent investigation found that there was rampant, rampant sexual harassment inside of the basketball team. Now, they pointed out that this has a lot more to do with the business side of the basketball team, not the players, but the people who run the team. Uh, And again, there were no allegations towards him specifically, but he is the boss. He is the owner. So... He says that he did not do a very good job of handling it and confronting it when it was brought in front of him. He says it was a mistake, and for that, he is donating $10 million to women's advocacy. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, And this is kind of a crazy story about um, absentee voting. You know what one of the biggest hurdles is that keeps young people from absentee voting? They don't know where to find a stamp. That is the story from the Fairfax County of Office of Public Affairs. Uh, said that they they have all these young people ask for absentee ballots because they're going to be there, but then they don't know how to mail it in because they don't know where to find a stamp. <laughs> well, first of all, maybe they should be, you know, pre-stamped envelopes anyhow. Sure. This is the Bill Press Show. Chuck Crassley tells Professor Ford, you tell me by 10 o'clock Friday if you're going to testify or not, or else there ain't going to be no hearing and you will not get to state your case in front of members of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Yeah, really shows a lot of respect for women. Really shows a lot of understanding of the issue of sexual harassment. What do you say? Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show here on a big Thursday, Thursday, September 20. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us as we come to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and with all the news of the day. Joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Joining you, how about it, on Free Speech TV. Great to see you out there in TV land and, of course, joining you on the radio statewide throughout the state of Indiana, Indiana Talks, and uh, in the greater Chicago area. Hello, hello, hello. You're looking good on WCPT. Lots of good stuff coming up today. John Bennett covers the White House for Roll Call. He'll be joining us uh, just in a little bit. Also, Nate James, he's the president of the federal employees who work at EPA. What's going over there? What's going on over there? Uh, with Scott Pruitt gone, has EPA changed? Are we going to get some of those tough rules back? We'll find out from uh, Nate James. And then the president of Rock the Vote, great organization, been around for a while, 
uh, their specialty is getting young people to register to vote, out to vote, getting out the vote among young people, particularly among the millennials and the younger. Carolyn DeWitt, president of Rock the Vote, will be uh, in studio with us. And um, Peter, um, I got to clear up something to start off with. Uh, okay. Yeah, a little follow up to your story yesterday. Uh, you gave a little report yesterday on um, a woman who went 183 miles an hour on the bike. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, just before I give you the follow, just in case people might have missed it yesterday, this was out in Utah or somewhere. Yeah, out yeah. in Utah, uh, Utah yeah. in a desert, <clears throat> deserted area. Yeah. So she had reached the speed of 183 miles on her bicycle. On her bicycle. They had little protections for from the, from the wind. Yes. But and I expressed my doubts that she would be able to cycle yeah. that fast. Correct. Right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I just uh, we did. I did hear from someone. Okay. With a little follow-up on that story. He said that the woman Peter mentioned yesterday was actually towed up to the speed of 100 miles an hour, and then she stayed in the slipstream of the towing vehicle. That's how she was able to get up to 183 miles an hour. Oh, they didn't show that in the video I watched. There you go. Okay. Yeah. And it said, um, this continues... Uh, uh, this, I don't know whether I should mention his name or not, but anyhow, a, a, a regular viewer who says, the only way she could conceivably hit that speed on her own is if she was fleeing Brett Kavanaugh at a high school oh, party. Oh, God. Oh, God. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, she had a little help getting up to 183 miles an hour. All right. Uh, yeah. But that kind of uh, gets us into the number one issue of the day, which go. is Brett Kavanaugh. By the way, I, I got it. So... People have gone back, you know, people have said, this could, Donald Trump himself yesterday said, I find it hard to imagine that anything like this could have happened to Christine Ford when she was a teenager. I mean, can you imagine anything more outrageous than that? Donald Trump, of all people, accused of sexual assault by 20 different women, two cases of which are still active in the courts. Um, we know... We know, he denies it, but we know about the affairs with Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal and Summer Zervos and God knows how many others. And he said, I find it hard to imagine that any man would ever take advantage of a woman, especially when they were teenagers. If anybody ought to know it, it's Donald Trump. Well, if anybody ought to know about wild teenage drinking parties back in those days, the idea that this happened is not that unbelievable if you listen to Brett Kavanaugh himself. Um, we had a little clip of Brett Kavanaugh yesterday talking about what happens at uh, Georgetown Prep, stays at Georgetown Prep. I don't know if we can pull that back up again, but yeah, here he is. We had a good saying that we've, we've held firm to, to, the, uh, to this day, as the dean uh, was reminding me before, uh, before the talk, which is what happens at Georgetown Prep stays at Georgetown Prep. That's been a good thing for all of us, I think. Well, the New York Times this morning reports that um, there have been a lot of cases where Brett Kavanaugh has talked about how much drinking and wild partying they did as teenagers. In one, this was up uh, at um, when they were at Yale, he says, he described taking a bus with his classmates to Boston for a Red Sox game and a night of bar hopping, which ended up with the students, quote, in his words, falling out of the bus onto the front steps of Yale Law School 
at about 4.45 a.m. Fortunately, he says, fortunately for all of us, we had a motto. What happens on the bus stays on the bus. That was a sp- in a speech that he gave. Good grief, Again, man. this is Brett Kavanaugh talking about, and I'm not saying he was alone. I'm just saying the idea that there were wild, drunken teenage parties in Chevy Chase, Maryland, is not unbelievable. It's very believable. You know, people have gone back and looked, especially— Oh, no, he couldn't do that. I can't imagine that. Come on. Please. Uh, (laughs) People have gone through and looked at, like, Mark Judge's uh, yearbook stuff, and there are— He wrote a memoir talking about his alcohol problem. Yeah, he's talked about that uh, a lot. But specifically with the high school stuff, you know, there were so many references to— Getting wasted and getting, you know, drinking too much, specifically mentioning Brett Kavanaugh was part of it. And again, you know, not that that's some sort of indicator of of his guilt or whatever, but like for him to act like this was not a thing that happened is crazy because it's fairly well documented. In his memoir, he talks about a friend, Barto Kavanaugh. Right. Who could that be? Who could that be? Right. Um, Another time in his speech, he described. He said he had a good run in his uh, third year of law school. He and his classmates got our work done, but we also had our share of fun. He discussed one party. This is at Yale Law School. Uh, but He summed it up by saying, quote, We had a memorable evening. It's fair to say that we had a few drinks. Indeed, as a classmate of mine and I were reminiscing and piecing things together the other day, we think we had more than a few beers before the banquet. Not a good idea. So he talks about openly about his drinking, his carousing at that time. Uh, he easily could have been at a party where Christine Ford showed up. He was drunk and could easily uh, have done. Maybe he didn't even remember it. Done what she is accusing him of doing. But in the meantime, we've seen that we talked about this. There's a, a lot of similarities, a lot of differences but certainly between what's happening today and what happened back in 1991 with Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. But one thing that has not changed, and that is the Senate Republicans and the, are as insensitive to, as ignorant of the whole issue of sexual harassment and sexual assault today as they were back in 1991. That has not changed. And by the way, some of them are the very same people. Chuck Grassley, Aaron Hatch, there's one other still on that committee who was there, who was back there. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it when Anita Hill came forward, and they don't get it today. The Me Too movement, it may have permeated um, Hollywood, Wall Street, we just heard from Mark Cuban, professional sports, academia. It has not penetrated the United States Senate. Certainly not the Republican caucus of the United States Senate. They don't have a clue. And it's evident from the way they're treating Christine Ford. Okay, she comes forward. Why did you wait so long? Why did you tell us earlier? If she had told them earlier, they would have just dismissed it the same way. The timing, as we've talked about so much this week, that, is really not an issue. Th- that's a really important point, right? Because that seems to be one of the one of the things that every Republican seems to talk about. As, as Donald Trump did it again yesterday. You know, Diane Feinstein had this months ago, and we were a little critical of her at first, but it like, you know, that is not the point. 
She that the, is not yeah. the point. No, Senator Feinstein chose to respect the request right. of the woman to remain anonymous. I appreciate that. I understand that. Uh, and again, if it if if she had released it in July, they just would have dismissed yeah. it earlier. Yeah, it wouldn't have made a difference. No, would the, not this have. this whole idea that they they right. would have taken it much seriously if they had introduced right. it months ago is BS. So where they are at the point today is they say, okay, oh, you made these accusations. Okay, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, dude, because we are so understanding, we are so open, we do want to hear your testimony, but. Uh, we don't want the FBI to investigate, which, by the way, they did with Anita Hill. So this is not the first time. This is not unusual for the FBI to investigate this before it comes before the committee. Joe Biden had that done. Chuck Grassley says, no way, no how, boom, ain't going to happen. And yes, we'd like to hear you, but um, even though it's been less than a week since you actually came forward, um, even though you might need some according to your attorneys, some more time to really prepare for coming up. Can you imagine on national television in front of those a-holes, right, sitting on that committee who are out together and and um, and she knows that, maybe taking a little more time to prepare? No, no, no. And look, look at all the time they, 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 they spent prepping Brett Kavanaugh before he went before the hearing. No, they won't give her any of that time. They said, okay, here's it. All right, we'll set a hearing on Monday. We'll call a hearing on Monday. You will either be there or else. That's the one chance you've got. And if you don't show up, we're just going to go ahead and confirm them anyway. And that's where they are right now, and we don't know yet to this point whether uh, Dr. Ford will appear or not. I hope she does. I understand if she doesn't. Uh, and I have to tell you, I'm beginning to think more and more whether she does or whether she doesn't. The Republicans are just going to confirm uh, Brett Kavanaugh anyway. They have made up their minds. Uh, even those people who seem to waffle, every one of them yesterday got right in line behind Chuck Grassley. Jeff Flake, Bob Corker, Lindsey Graham, forget about them. Forget about them. They don't have any backbone of their own. They just they are ultimately party hacks just like everybody else. You know, uh, the other day Donald Trump Jr. put up on Instagram oh, yeah. a, a very insensitive uh, post uh, about He Kavanaugh. of all people oh, shut up. Yeah, right. And Jeff Flake took to Twitter and said how incensed and how outraged he is, and this is unacceptable, and we've got to be better than this, and blah, blah, blah. And all I could think of was, it's going to be very hard, I guess, for him to actually vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh, right? Like, But he's going to do it. He'll do it. He's going to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we heard from some voices yesterday, by the way, a friend, a high school friend of uh, Christine Ford in response to Orrin Hatch saying she just appears to be confused and she's mixed up, she's mixed up. This is before Orrin Hatch has even heard from Christine Ford. Samantha Gary says, I know Christine Ford. That's not who she is. That's just not possible. I find that very, um, frankly, it makes me angry. It's really a, a way of dismissing her. Uh, and by the way, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand spoke up to Senator Gillibrand from New York you know, it is interesting. So, so the Republican Chuck Grassley again says, no, we will have Christine Ford and Brett Kavanaugh. Nobody else won't allow uh, Christine Ford's therapist to testify, which is one thing the attorneys also ask. And they're not going to call, as of this point, they're not going to call Mark Judge, who is the young man, the buddy-buddy, the guy who wrote the memoir we were just talking about, about all of his drinking problems when he was in high school with Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, but Mark Judge, who was, according to 
Christine Ford in the room with Brett Kavanaugh, egging him on and piling on. They're not going to call him as a witness, Christian Gillibrand says, what's that all about? The fact that they don't even consider having Mark Judge, who is accused to have been in the room, who has documented his own history of alcoholism, is, is shocking to me that he is not even being called. And equally outrageous is the fact that, again, they've given her one date, take it or leave it, that's all you get. The fact that they're saying it has to be you versus Kavanaugh on Monday as the only possibility to be heard, I find that not only stifling, but outrageous. And just 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 take a look at it for what it is. OK, yeah. just like just just pull back from a second and t- pull back from the mm-hmm. politics of it all and, and all that. What are they actually trying to accomplish here? They're not actually trying to find out if this woman was sexually no. assaulted or if no. she's credible or any of that. It is not the issue. If it was, as you mentioned, they did the FBI with uh, with Anita Hill. They do that again. They would talk to Mark Judge. They would talk to the therapist. They yep. would talk to people that were there. Right. They would talk to her friends. They would actually have a process to figure this out. Let's just be very, very clear. They do not care about finding out what oh, happened. No. All they want is to check that box. Yeah, exactly. Check that box. Uh, and, you know, the, the way these hearings work, for anybody else, if they've got the Secretary of State coming in or they've got some corporate, you know, Jamie Dimon, right, coming in or anybody else, these hearings, they work out, they work with you, okay, Here's some dates, possible dates. Here's the schedule. Would this work with you? Would that work with you? Da, 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 da. No, not with Christine Ford. They're saying, this is it. You got to be there. Take it or leave it. You know, I'm reminded of that, that tweet I read from Lindsey Graham yesterday. I don't have it right in front yeah. of me. But basically saying it's imperative that we make this happen ASAP. Right. Why? And, of course, that's Why? the big question. Why the rush? Why the rush? Why the rush? Because, number one, they want him on the court before the uh, – before the court session starts, October 1, because if he's not there to hear the oral arguments, then he can't vote. That's the rules. Can't vote on the ultimate outcome of some cases, number one. Number two, and the most important one is they want him there because they know they could lose control of the Senate November 6, and they've got to force him in there before that happens. That's why the rush, that's the only reason behind the rush. Otherwise, you know, we've gotten along fine with eight members of the yeah. court. We got along for a whole year. Thank you, Mitch McConnell, with only eight members of the court. Uh, there's no life-threatening national security issue why we have to have Brett Kavanaugh on the on the bench uh, any sooner. Uh, we mentioned yesterday Senator Maisie Hirono from uh, Hawaii, who I think has emerged as a real leader on this committee. She, echoing Senator Gillibrand yesterday, saying how appalled she is, by the way, Uh, Grassley is treating Christine Ford. I am appalled by the treatment of Dr. Ford, by the Republicans, and this all-fired rush to get this man on the Supreme Court ASAP. And then she says, Grassley, give me a break. I love her for using the phrase. A letter from the chairman to the Democrats saying, we have done everything we can to contact her. That is such bull****. I can't hardly stand it. Good for you, Macy. Go, go, go. Go get him. Go <laughs> get him, it. go get him. And to, just to show you how obsequious and how condescending Chuck Grassley is, he said, again, come on, we've given her a date and we've given her other options. It's not our fault. We heard she might not want to come in that environment, so we offered one more right. closed session or two ways of doing it by transcript. 
Oh, gee, so generous, so generous at all. Yeah, again, different generation, different time, and he hasn't moved at all. I mean, in since 1991, no progress at all on this issue, no understanding. Uh, and final point on this, I think, so I do believe that Republicans are going to force this through. Um, I think it's very, very risky for them. And, uh, I mean, look, we've talked about this so many times. The excitement in politics today, the movement in politics today is on the part of young people and particularly on the part of women. Republican women in the suburbs are abandoning the Republican Party in droves because, mainly because of Donald Trump and his treatment of women. Now, pile on top of that, Brett Kavanaugh, I think, I think they are taking a real risk by doing this. They, have, they will identify themselves as the party, the party. What do we stand for? We stand for sexual harassment and sexual assault and doing nothing about it. That's who the Republican Party is, or that's, it looks like, the, what the Republican Party is today, and they're going to reconfirm it if they push through uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And I believe they will pay the price, and women will have their revenge uh, in Senate races, congressional races, governor's races all across the board on November 6th if they do this. I think that's got to be an issue. And look, I mean, there are obviously a lot of reasons why Donald Trump won the presidency, but women, particularly white women, voted yep. for Donald Trump. And so you have to look at some of these really close, especially Senate races, right? Like just to take mm -hmm. Texas, for example, of Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke. If you're a woman and you're on the fence in this election – and you know Ted Cruz is going to vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh if it gets to that point. That should be an issue. Absolutely. That, no. sh that should be an issue. Right. This, I, And I know, by the way, it will be an issue. You can count yeah. on the women and the droves of women more than ever before who are running for office at every level. State legislature, governor, Congress, Senate, all the way. Uh, you can count on women to make this an issue uh, in their races and just say, okay, how did they vote or how did their party vote when it comes to Brett Kavanaugh? A couple other things we ought to mention. Uh, yeah, the president went down to uh, North Carolina yesterday and then uh, bopped up to South Carolina, down to South Carolina a little bit as well, uh, telling people down there, um, hey, if you got a problem, um, you got a problem, you know my telephone number, you know my telephone number, just give me a call. Anything I can do, you all know where to call me. And we will be there for South Carolina. And uh, speaking to the first responders down there, he wanted them to be sure to know that he knows that this is real serious stuff they're in. The job you do is great. And we really want to thank you. This is real emergency stuff at the highest level. <laughs> great. It's real emergency stuff at the highest level. Real emergency stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. Right. Yeah. Telling the firemen. What you do is really emergency stuff. Ask him what FEMA stands for. <laughs> I bet he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't know the. Answer. I bet you ten bucks he doesn't know the he doesn't know the answer. But the funniest thing about his uh, his trip to North Carolina is uh, reportedly uh, I forget where I read this, but he got off the plane and the first <laughs> he was introduced to the guys in charge on and the first thing he says so, oh man, I heard you had a lot of damage. How's the Lake Norman area doing? Which was sort of like out of the blue. Everybody thought what. Lake Norman, what? <laughs> and they said, oh, Lake Norman's doing fine. It's far from the coast. Lake Norman, no problems. Oh, he said, I'm good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, it turns out he's got a golf course. Of course he has a golf course on the shores of Lake Norman. So 
That's oh, uh, man. That was his. <laughs> he flew all the way down there to find out. Boom, boom, boom. Speaking of flying, um, somebody else in a little trouble in the Trump administration for high flying at taxpayer expense. She is Elaine Chow, who is not only the Secretary of Transportation, but the wife of Mitch McConnell. Uh, Politico reporting that Elaine Chow racked up um, between January 2017 and August 2017, $94,000 on government air, air, airplanes for just little private flights of hers. Now, uh, that may sound like not a lot of money, but Tom Price resigned one month after that in September 2017 for his use of private air, aircraft. What is wrong with these people? Elaine Chow. Elaine Ch- Let me remember what happened also to David Shulkin at Veterans Administration. Um, of course, Scott Pruitt at EPA. Steve Mnuchin got in trouble. Nothing happened to him. But Elaine Chow is still on the job. Tom Price resigned. She was allowed to keep her job. Could it have anything to do with the fact that she's married to Mitch McConnell? Of course not. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but in a little hot water there of our what, own. What is wrong with it? I mean, I guess maybe they see that they can get away with it sometimes. Yeah. You know, our friend Ted Lou from California just introduced legislation, which, by the way, is called something like the Scott Pruitt Memorial Act or something, <laughs> which makes it a federal crime for cabinet members to use their office to benefit themselves, profit them, to profit them, line their own pockets, and feather their own nest by taking advantage, as Scott Pruitt did, David Shulkin did, Elaine Chow has, Tom Price did, Ryan Zinke has done, all down the line. Bunch of grifters, and um, we'll see what happens to that Ted Lieu legislation. Nothing this year, as long as Republicans are in charge, could be interesting next year if Democrats take over. Uh, and finally, we did learn a little, proc- a little uh, news on the Robert Mueller front, and that is Michael Flynn. Uh, we've been told we'll be in court on December 18. Uh, Michael Flynn, former National Security Advisor, General Michael Flynn, right? Uh, and one of the first ones to agree to um, make a deal with and cooperate with Robert Mueller. Apparently, Mueller has um, squeezed everything he can out of Robert uh, Michael Flynn because Flynn will be in court on December 18 to find out how much time he's going to spend in federal prison. That's his sentencing deadline, December 18. Uh, It doesn't mean that the Robert Mueller investigation uh, is over, but it does mean there is a price to pay, and Robert Mueller has just systematically, he just continues, step by step by step, building his case and taking people to task. Paul Manafort convicted on eight counts, and he returns a plea deal. Michael Flynn, he'll find out how much time he's going to get on December 18. So, so much to talk about. Take a quick break. White House correspondent for Roll Call, John Bennett, joins us when we come back. Hang in there. We'll be right back after this quick break. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. You bet it is Thursday, September 20. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being with us here. The Bill Press Show, uh, your morning roundup of the news of the day from a progressive point of view. And we give you a chance to sound off as well by sending your comments on Twitter uh, at BP Show. Here in Washington, D.C., had a great event last night at the uh, great bookstore Politics and Prose on uh, 
my new book. We've told you about it. It is out now. Trump must go. The top 100 reasons to dump Trump and one maybe to keep him. Check out our website at BillPressShow.com. And remember, you can uh, add your own reasons because obviously there are a lot more than 100 reasons. I had to stop. It took me. It was tough to limit it to 100 just to get so the book isn't too long. Uh, But it was obsolete in a sense the day it was published. So we've made it possible for you to add your own reasons. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Not only tell you where you can get a copy of the book, but you can add your own reasons, which a lot of you have been doing uh, Peter, I don't know. We should number them maybe because somebody asked me last night how many, like what we're up to, like, but there have been a lot. So. We've got several, yeah. If you want a good, uh, not only if you have one, go to the the website, but you could read all of the ones that uh, that are so good so far at BillPressShow.com. Right, okay. And we welcome to the studio who covers the White House for Roll Call, our good friend John Bennett. John, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Uh Peter, comments so far? Yes, indeed. Lots of comments, specifically on Brett Kavanaugh. Holly says it wasn't just binge drinking rife with the Kavanaugh and Mark Judge yearbook. Uh, There were many misogynistic jokes in them. For example, there was one, the FFFF, which stands for Find, Feel, Fornicate, Forget Them which was one of the things that they used in the yearbooks. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Mm. Also, about the whole rush, everybody's rushing to make this happen. Art Rochester says, there is no rush. The Judiciary Act of 1869 states that only a quorum of six is necessary to make decisions. Brett Kavanaugh is not necessary. Uh, And Joey says, the GOP took the White House out of the swamp and stuck it right in the snake pit. The GOP has become a cult of no honor, no class, but a whole bunch of BS. Also, don't forget, we have our chat room, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Roy says, maybe Mark Judge, quote, can't remember, end quote, because there is no statute of limitations on the crime of sexual assault in Maryland. Yeah, we were wondering about that yesterday in Montgomery County, right? Yeah. And there's no statute for felony offenses is uh, the point that we should make there. So if you have a comment, find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Or if you want to watch the show in real time or see the archive version, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show, where we have a chat room running there. Okay, you got it. Thank you, Peter. So, John, um, you know, your job at covering the White House, uh, I guess it's gotten a little easier lately because uh, you don't have to worry about going to any briefings anymore. <laughs> Well, uh, they are increasingly rare. Uh, I will uh, will pull back the curtain without uh, naming any of my, my colleagues in the White House basement, but we've started joking that uh, we usually get our uh, weekly daily briefing, uh, usually on yeah. Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. This week looks like we, we won't get a briefing. We, of course, heard from the president in the joint press conference. Um, wow, what day was that? It was Tuesday. Tuesday. It's all one big day anymore. Yeah, it just run, yeah. all runs together. So I don't think we'll get a briefing this week, but yeah, it, you know, but it, it, it opens up your day to do other reporting. Um, you know, I thought, uh, but the briefings are important. They're very important. Yes. That don't, don't get me wrong there. I thought Josh Ernest, uh, maybe he, you know, I don't know if they need to brief five days a week. Um, but uh, but one day a week is. I don't know if they need to brief for an hour and a half either. Right. Uh, yeah, you were there too. I yeah, remember that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a, not a, not not nine ninety minutes five days a week, but certainly not eighteen minutes once a week. And I know this is something the Correspondents Association has talked to to Sarah about. Uh, they've pressed her on on being out there longer and being out there more days a week. 
Uh, this started, I guess, about three months ago, early mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went from three or four to two or three and then to one or two, and now we're down to one, and weeks like this, we're not going to get in. Well, what's interesting to me is we know in the, during the transition, right, right. Rains Priebus, among others, said, you know, we're thinking we might even just do away with the briefings, and right. everybody howled right. in protest. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's good for us. It's good for you. It's good for the American people. Mm-hmm. It's a one forum. We have a chance. You have a chance to... Get your message out. Absolutely. We have a chance to ask questions. Right. Um, and people are covering the briefings live. They have even more, I mean, even the cables, not just C-SPAN, right? right? Absolutely. Uh, and then suddenly, they just stopped having them just without stopped. making any announcement that from now on, we're only going to have one briefing a week. It just started that way. And it's been the last two months, at least. At least. Right? Right. Uh, and nobody's... I mean, you're right. The White House Correspondents Association, you and our members, we mm-hmm. have protested. Yes. But still, there's really not a lot of outcry or an outrage There's, there's about not it. a ton of outcry. And I think part of that is, and <laughs> you've been in the room, you felt it, um, the room is tense. The room was tense. getting- <laughs> Yeah. It, it's by, almost open warfare. It really is. And by the day, it was getting more and more tense. Yeah. And- you know, I don't know why Sarah's not out there. I, I, I have noticed that Sarah is in places you you wouldn't have seen other press secretaries. Um, you know, I I look at the photos and I look at the Flickr page and I try to digest everything I can. You know, she's at the table when they're meeting with with Kim Jong Un. She's at the table with mm-hmm. with with mm-hmm. Russians. She's at the table with, you know, uh, she's in the Oval Office when it's just. Um, the president and General Kelly and John Bolton and a foreign leader, like she's, she's more than a press secretary. She's it's especially since Hope Hicks, the communications director, left. It seems like Sarah has at least partially filled that role. She's become closer to the president, so she's not just press secretary. She's become, it seems, a, a senior advisor. She doesn't have time. We know that just this week, um, you know, they, they've been doing murder board sessions with uh, Brett Kavanaugh. To prepare him for this possible hearing Monday, and she's or, been part of those. She's been part of those, and those right. have been going, uh, <laughs> you know, most of, of the day this, uh, most of the days this week. So she's doing other things. We know she's not. It's not just she doesn't have time to prepare for the briefing. She's doing mm-hmm. so many other things, and that goes to this this closeness now with the president, and also, you know, this the the revolving door, and people have left, and um, and well, he's a trust guy. The trust Sarah. So even some of the newer senior staff, he's going to trust her to be in a meeting over those folks. Right. Now, you mentioned Tuesday, the one time we did see the president, other than going to North Carolina yesterday, but um, in the White House was on Tuesday in the joint news conference with the president of Poland. Um, The president of Poland, you must say, right, he, he reached a new high or a new low in terms of praising Donald Trump, right? Right. Depends on your perspective. He figured out how to... Please, Donald Trump, which is flattery. Flattery right. will get you anywhere with Donald Trump, right? Yeah, I, I wrote a story yesterday, did a little reporting on this and at RollCall.com, and um, I, our, our headline was, you know, for Trump, Polish president takes flattery to new heights. We've seen others stand in the East Room of the Rose Garden uh, beside President Trump and go just straight, straight in with personal flattery. Japanese Prime Minister Abe and others... Um, even Chinese President Xi, it's been about you know Donald the person, Donald the businessman. Well, the Polish president on Tuesday led with kind of Poland is open for business, 
uh, inviting, using the word inviting, American companies in, want to do all these big deals. We've We'd got, love to have a Trump Tower in Warsaw. Well, if <laughs> one one could read between those lines. Um, and, and then pivoting to, oh, and by the way, we're also spending more on defense, which in, in Trump's, the way Trump looks at NATO, if you're spending more on defense, you're spending more on NATO. And then dropping, and by the way, how about we put a permanent U.S. base in Poland to to, to check the Russians, and we'll call it Fort Trump. We'll call it Fort Trump. Here he, here he is. Just, just. I was smiling when talking to President Trump, and I said I would very much like to set up permanent American bases in Poland, which we would call Fort Trump. And I firmly believe that this is possible. I am convinced. I mean, that is so over the top. It really is. But it was masterful. If oh, you're yeah. trying to yeah. appeal to Trump to go business, <laughs> more for NATO, for yeah. Trump. I thought, you know, as, as, as a professional writer and thinking about how you write something like those opening remarks, I thought it was pretty masterful. Mm-hmm. For Trump. Can you <laughs> Who? I mean, stranger things have happened in the last 20 months. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> sold. Sold. For Trump. Sold. I'm sure he called it. <laughs> called up Defense Secretary Mattis right away and said, hey, let's make this happen right before anybody changes their mind. Maybe it'll whatever. be an Air Force base. So I covered uh, I covered defense and national security for forever before this life, and um, there's always a joke that the Air Force bases have the best golf courses, and we know President Trump is a golf course guy. So maybe it, it could be an Air Force base and, and have one of the best golf courses in the, in the U.S. military constellation. Which is why, because he didn't have his own golf courses— that Barack Obama played so much at Andrews Air Force Base. Right. I mean, that was his go-to spot. I spent uh, more than one afternoon at the Burger King oh. <laughs> and on pool duty. So, yes, he played there a lot. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and, of course, Donald Trump goes to Sterling, his own course, or to Bedminster or right. to, or to, or to uh, Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I'm not sure he's played at Andrews yeah. yet. Not that I know. Not yeah. that I can remember I don't, at yeah. any rate. Um, the president's on a lot of fronts this week. One thing we haven't talked much about, his, he, and he talked about it yesterday, he's made a big deal about um, getting the Department of Justice and the FBI to release yet more documents. Uh, what's this all about? As I recall, he did this about a month or so ago, mm-hmm. and these documents were going to show that the whole Mueller investigation was rigged from the beginning. It was the FBI in cahoots with Hillary just out to get Donald Trump, and and those documents were released. They didn't show that at all. So now what are these – what's this all about? He said yesterday that he was doing a great public service right. by demanding these documents be, be released. Yeah, he said he, won't, that he thinks this will be one of the crowning achievements yeah. of his presidency. It's like so much that we see every day. This is about the base. This is about – Convincing them, I don't know if they need to be convinced anymore that there is that there was and maybe still is this internal somewhere within the guts of the Justice Department, including the FBI, um, this this desire to take down Trump and his presidency. Um, Starting in the campaign, I mean, they right. were they were part, right. yeah, yeah, dating back to the campaign with with uh, right. with, with Strzok and Page. But again, those documents, as you said, didn't show – it wasn't evidence of what he claimed. They showed, actually, that the investigation started a lot earlier with George Papadopoulos, right. drunk in London, bragging about all these meetings he was having with Russians to get dirt on Hillary. Right. That's what triggered it. So uh, 
I assume this is for, and we haven't seen the documents yet, they're being reviewed now, um, you know, the bureaucracy has a way of delaying things, and this is how they use, one way they usually do it is we need to review and vet and redact, and um, and they'll have to negotiate with the White House if they want to redact any of these documents, that will take months, but I assume they will probably land sometime around early November, and we all know what happens in early mm-hmm. November, uh, right-wing media can pick those up, Fox News can pick it up. Um, they will find something in there that they can use, and I, I I just get the sense it's to to rile up the base as we head into what's a very important congressional election. Right. I mean, and of course, Devin Nunez is right in the middle of all of this, right? Mm-hmm. right. And to my, by my count, this is like the third time that he has come up with this idea. Oh, wait till we release these documents, man. That's good. You're going to show that we were, you know, this whole thing was cooked right from the very beginning, and and he's done it twice. And with total non-events, right? Yeah, Probably well, this time too. I, I uh, reporter friends of mine and and others, uh, you know, former longtime sources, were uh, surprised when he was named chairman of the committee. I think we've seen why he was named chairman of the committee. He um, he is. A lot of people say the president is a conspiracy theorist, uh, and and I've heard people say the same about Chairman Nunes. So. I think that's what he's there for is to just um, kind of stir the pot. And even though there, there's not a lot of substance there, what he does, I think, you know, President Trump and, and Republican leaders, I think they view him as good as, as again, riling up that base. Um, well, now the president is sort of limping along, of course, because, as he told us the other day, he does not have an attorney general. That's right. Again, going after Jeff Sessions without firing him. Um the president's kind of gotten himself into this corner because if you fire Jeff Sessions um, and, uh, and 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 the would the Senate Republicans carry through with their threat unless it's one of their own uh, to not have you know confirmation hearings? Uh, Grassley right. and and Lindsey Graham have kind of backed off that in yeah, recent Lindsay weeks. Yeah, Lindsey particularly has backed yeah. off that, and, and Grassley Grassley's tiptoed back as well. So. Um, even until you got someone through, if you just fired Sessions, Ron Rosenstein takes over. We know the president's not a big fan of, of the deputy attorney general. Um, maybe you can't get another attorney general nominee confirmed. So then Rod Rosenstein just sits there, and he's the he's the attorney general. He's the acting attorney general, but he's got all the powers of the AG. So the president's got himself in a real box here. Um, and then what happens in November if if the Democrats take the Senate? Um, and he really wants to fire Sessions because I can't you you can't come up with any reason based on Trump's public remarks why uh, why he would keep Sessions past the midterms. We do know uh, I know from reporting that uh, General Kelly and others privately when the president is uh, going going on and on about Jeff Sessions and how much uh, he wishes he could get rid of him. They whisper in the president's ear. But he is implementing your agenda probably better than any other cabinet member. And Trump, Amen. they say Trump kind of simmers down and it goes away for a month or two and then he gets fired up again. Right. Um, if Sessions, if, if the president's, <coughs> pardon me, uh, which he has said openly, I wish I had somebody else. If I knew he was going to recuse himself, I never would have appointed him. Now he says I don't even have an attorney general. Um it, why doesn't Sessions just say, hey, if you don't want me here, I'm leaving, right? I mean. Because Sessions is an ideologue, and he does agree 
with a lot of the Trump agenda and the things they want to do. You, what you said is correct. He is carrying out the Trump agenda. He is in every way, and he believes in it. He is a true believer in what they are doing. Uh, so he will take the tweets. He'll take uh, he'll take the comments as Trump's going to the helicopter. Uh-huh. Uh, he'll just absorb all those body blows, keep his head down, and just stay circling in the ring. And and he's slowly and quietly implementing a very conservative agenda, which stu- things that they've wanted to do for a decade, and undoing Obama things, which obviously is is a big uh, part of the yeah. this presidency. Police community relations. Prison reform, sentencing reform, right. all of that stuff. Which he, so Sessions would and rather he really take has the more abuse. power as Attorney General than he ever had as a U.S. Senator from Alabama. Absolutely, he was not a chairman. He was not a ranking member. He was one of those senior senators who, you know, he was senior in a lot of committees. But what was he actually getting done legislatively? You're absolutely right. He can do a lot of things administratively as AG. That when they take the document to Trump, he's like, "Oh, that's great," and signs it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when Trump gets fired up about the Russia investigation, um, he, he remembers Jeff Sessions did. Uh, Jeff Sessions recused himself, and he gets upset again. So um, he talked about Jeff Sessions uh, firing him. He also, uh, or not having an AG, uh, and indicating he'd like to fire him. He also talked about firing James Comey again, saying um, that he wished he had fired him a lot earlier. In fact, Donald Trump says, I should have fired him the day I won the primaries. Now, it seems to me there's something uh, <laughs> cockeyed about that. I mean, he's a candidate. He wins the Republican primaries. He said, that's the day I should have fired James Comey. Uh, hello, Donald. <laughs> he would have had to, uh, to to call President Obama and, and request that be done. Yeah, don't you and, think? And right. I, don't think uh, I don't think the 44th president was, uh, was going to fire James Comey, at least not for that reason. But not just, not at the request of the fact that he would say that it's just so weird. It's vintage Trump. I mean, he says these things, and <laughs> um, and your eyebrows immediately, you know, almost fly off the top of your head. Hello, but, you weren't president then, right, right? Right, and and but then he's on to a ne- the next thing, and you don't have, you know, for guys like me, you don't have a a, a ton of time mm-hmm. to to even process what he said, especially at these rallies, because he's on to something else. Mm-hmm. And it's just or, as eyebrow raising, or running off the air for to Marine One or whatever. Yeah. Yep. By the way, right. um, have you heard any, uh, uh, th- there are rumors about a new Marine One? This is always uh, this is always a rumor in Washington. Um, you know, President Obama decided uh, to cancel that program that he didn't need a new uh, Marine One. Uh, f- I can tell you from my days as as a defense reporter, that is a very lucrative uh project if it ever happens um i mean there were test flights there were there was a competition ongoing there were three or four of the big uh defense companies involved um it's it's such a big contract because it you know it varies the president around it's got to be secure it's got to be fast it's got to have defenses um (laughs) you've got to have a fleet of these things um, there's not just one. There are three, as we know, and you never right. know which one he's on. That's right. There are three, but then uh, you need to have other models, and you know, how to pre-position them in yeah. South Carolina or Germany right. or wherever right. he's going to be. Right. It's a big program, and you know, there aren't a lot of new start big programs right now um, in the defense world. Um, you know, Trump Trump has talked about Air Force One, but I haven't heard him talk a lot about uh, if he needs if he needs a new helicopter. Um, but who knows after the midterms, 
we we could hear uh, talk about a new helicopter, and that uh, could become uh, a, a a rally line. You never all right. know. So now on the big issue of the day, and Brett Kavanaugh, the the president, as we pointed out, has been remarkably restrained, I believe, in his comments. Now he has yep. said he hasn't. The fact that he's not gone after Christine Ford, called her a liar, or whatever. Uh, he's going after Diane Feinstein for not releasing the letter earlier, but um, remarkably restrained. What's going on? Why does he? Does it, is because he's confident that he's go- still going to get Kavanaugh on the court, or people have told him you're the last one who can back up somebody who's accused of sexual assault? I, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I think the big motivator here, at least so far, is what happens in November if the Democrats take the Senate. Um, who knows what happens? Will he pull back? So if Kavanaugh is not confirmed before, would he would he withdraw the nomination and send up someone like, and boy, wouldn't this be something, Merrick Garland. We'd be <laughs> full circle on this whole thing. Um, so he's he's got to get okay. Kavanaugh confirmed in the next few weeks. Otherwise, I mean, it you know, he's got to go back to his list of, you know, two dozen conservative legal thinkers, legal, uh, very well-respected people, judges, professors, what have you. That'll take a couple weeks for he and his staff to to schedule interviews and, and, and come up with a name, transmit it to the Senate, then the committee has to start vetting, and I mean, that takes, that takes at least two months just for the committee to do its work, and you're past the election at that point, and, and, and who knows? So there is that unknown, uh, there's that known unknown, as Donald Rumsfeld would have said, about what happens with with the Senate and who controls it, and you're not going to get Brett Kavanaugh through uh, the Senate, even if it's you know a 51-49 and uh, or a 50-50 split. Maybe maybe you get him through then with with Vice President uh, Mike Pence this, uh, casting the deciding vote. But it's just so much harder if Democrats, even if they win one seat, it gets harder. So I the motivator here is the math. And, you know, Donald Trump gets the math and he doesn't want to do anything or say anything that might call, say, a Jeff Flake, a Bob Corker and a Susan Collins to defect. And 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 they don't get Kavanaugh through. And but also the allegations. Yeah, he's in a he's put himself in a tough spot, allegedly, um, with some of the things that, you know, he said and done over the years. So he can't really attack Ford. Uh, Yesterday, it was very, uh, very interesting on the South Lawn as he was leaving. He said if, if Ford shows up and has a credible showing, he will have a decision to make. So for the first time, Trump uh, left the door open to possibly having to, to withdraw the nomination, which I thought was a fascinating moment. Donald Trump does not really backtrack, mm-hmm. at least not, mm-hmm. and especially not right. publicly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the first, he cracked it, he just, just a little crack. There's a little light in the doorway there. But then he, of course, said he doubts anything happened. So it, that, again, vintage Trump. Leaving the door open to 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 being forced almost to withdraw this nomination, but then saying he doubts anything happened uh, between uh, Kavanaugh and Ford. Uh, in, in fact, he said he's, he used that phrase that he he finds it hard to imagine. Right, right, because because you know Kavanaugh's such a great guy and such a great gentleman, and just an with an impeccable well, what do you say an unblemished record. So. Um, yeah. So so again, he's he's and he has showed sympathy to Kavanaugh and his family for for what they're going through, which obviously is a, is a difficult time here with these allegations. But he has shown no sympathy for Ford and her family. They've had to flee their home. Um, she's getting death threats, but the president has not 
even dropped just just a, a quick line about, and she's going through a lot, and we we feel for her, and we want to help move mm-hmm. this along. Sympathy for Kavanaugh, nothing for the accuser. Right. Um, do you believe at this moment that um, she will testify? I think what we're seeing here, I had one of the cable shows on before I came over here, and they called it a standoff between uh, Ford, her attorneys, and uh, and Chuck Grassley. I think what we're seeing is a public negotiation for the terms of a hearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will happen Monday. Um, if they can Good. get something out of the committee, be it other witnesses, I don't think we're going to get an investigation. Mm-hmm. But if they can get some other witnesses at the hearing sometime next yeah. week, I think we we'll, we may have a hearing. And that's got to be it. Thanks so much, John, for coming in. John Dunn at Roll Call. RollCall.com. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Showdown in the U.S. Senate. Chuck Grassley says Professor Ford will come on Monday or we don't give a damn. That's our one shot and we're not going to give her any other opportunity. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Yeah, I'll say that uh, they haven't made much progress since 1991, and Anita Hill is still treating women the same way they did way back then. Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show here on um, Thursday, Thursday, September 20. So good to see you, and so good to have you part of the program here. It's the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill with all the news of the day, most of it centering still around the big showdown between uh, the woman, Professor Ford, who has come forth with these accusations about uh, s- sexual assault against uh, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. She wants to testify before the committee, but she'd like the FBI to investigate her charges first and be able to call some other witnesses as well. Chuck Grassley says, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to give you one chance on Monday. You show up or else we're just going to rush through and vote on this matter. Meanwhile, President Trump down in North Carolina yesterday, uh, surveying the damage after uh, Hurricane Florence, also making a quick visit to part of South Carolina as well. Uh, And yet one more member of the Trump cabinet has been caught. She happens to be Transportation Secretary uh, Elaine Chao, using her government position to uh, feather her own nest, just the way Scott Pruitt did at EPA. So much to talk about. We want to hear from you and your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll jump right into it, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Yes, okay, sir. so uh, Chef Roy Choi is the man behind Kogi Food Truck. He sort of started the whole trend of food trucks uh, as we know them now. Well, he has a new pop-up restaurant 
Today is actually the last day you can eat at, September 20th. It's in L.A., and it is called the Flamin' Hot Spot, where <laughs> all of the food that he serves somehow incorporates Flamin' Hot Cheetos, the snack food that you can get at the oh, gas oh, really? station or the grocery store. Huh. They have Flamin' Hot Chipotle Ranch Wings, Extra Hot Flamin' Hot Rice Bowl, Hot Cheetos burrito, and he even puts the flaming hot Cheetos into pancakes and dessert. I love flaming hot Cheetos. I don't know that I need to go to a restaurant to try all that, but I appreciate the. Uh, I don't know where he is in LA. Uh, the restaurant. So he actually has a standalone Kogi restaurant. It's at. It's on. Uh, it's 1835 North Coanga Boulevard. Coanga. Yeah. Where you okay. Can find that. Yeah. So if you want to go, you got to go today. Uh, let's say you work a long day. You have big plans. You're going to go home. You're going to go to the gym. Are you going to go to the gym? You know, after you have dinner or whatever. However you work, it, That's right? The worst time to go to the gym. I man. agree. It's the worst time to go, go in the go morning. To the gym. Well, there's a, there's a new study from the University of British Columbia and the University of Geneva that says basically, if you're feeling too lazy to go to the gym, just blame your brain. Our brains are hardwired, according to this new study to take rest whenever we can get it because, of course, this all goes back to when we needed to conserve energy for hunting and gathering and finding food and building uh, shelter and avoiding predators and things like that. So our minds are still programmed to get as much rest as we can. Don't necessarily go and do all of this, uh, exert all this energy because our brains are still, you know, used to being Neanderthal. Well, it sounds to me like that's an argument for not going to the gym at all. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get as much rest as you can. Yeah. One final story really quickly, and I hate to do this one so fast, but New York, uh, the Catholic Church in New York yesterday reached a record settlement with four yeah, men who said Whoa. they were sexually abused. $27.5 <laughs> million dollars is the payout from the Catholic Church to these four men. I think it was the Diocese of Brooklyn, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, almost every day a new settlement, a new problem on this path we find out about. Take The Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Yes, the showdown continues in the U.S. Senate over this uh, proposed hearing on Monday. Professor Christine Ford from California given one chance, one shot to come and make her case. And uh, Chairman Chuck Grassley says, if you don't show up, too bad. We're going to endure it. We're going to uh, confirm Brett Kavanaugh anyway, uh, despite this cloud of uh, accusations of sexual misconduct. What do you say? Hello, everybody. On a Thursday, September 20. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. We are live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and our studio right here on Capitol Hill with all the news of the day. Reaching out to you coast to coast. Um, wherever you are, we're right there alongside of you, either online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And don't forget to check out our podcast. We understand that uh, you may not have enough time or maybe just too early on the West Coast, for example, to catch the show live. Uh, but you can catch parts of the show or the entire show on our podcast 
at BillPressShow.com anytime during the day. That's the best way to watch the show at BillPressShow.com if you don't catch it live. We're also joining you on television, of course, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and uh, out in the greater Chicago area. Here we are with all of you on the great WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. Again, uh, lots going on, and just want to update you here at the top of the hour on the big news of the day, which is the latest on the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process. Uh, We know that uh, Professor Christine Ford has come forward saying back in her teenage years she was a victim of sexual assault on the part of a young, drunken teenager. He was 17. She was 15 at the time, allegedly, uh, at a house party out in Chevy Chase, Maryland, Montgomery County, right next door to Washington, D.C. He denies it. She has been, uh, she said she would like to come and testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, she would also like the FBI to investigate her charges first, and she would like to call other witnesses, including her therapist, uh, to testify. The response of the Republicans has been, okay, we'll give you one shot. No FBI investigation, and we'll hold a hearing next Monday. Uh, that's the only date we'll consider. No other dates. We're not going to put it off. you got to come in that day or else. In other words, it's my way or the highway, uh, which I think leads to the uh, inescapable conclusion that while there may be some differences between the Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill controversy back in 1991 and the Brett Kavanaugh, Christine Ford matter today, one thing that is very much, one thing that is very much the same, one thing that has not changed, and that these Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee, when it comes to sexual assault and sexual harassment, they just don't get it. They didn't understand it then. They don't understand it now. The Me Too movement may have uh, permeated and penetrated Wall Street or Hollywood or academia or professional sports. It has not reached yet Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Some Democrats acting with outrage yesterday, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from New York, saying that she, you know, what is this idea that, uh, for example, Mark Judge, who is the young teenager friend of uh, Brett Kavanaugh's who was allegedly with him when this attack took place, why, Kirsten Gillibrand says, why hasn't he been called uh, as, a, as a witness? We have that... Um, uh, sound from, from yesterday, Senator Gillibrand. No Mark Judge. She's appalled. The fact that they don't even consider having Mark Judge, who is accused to have been in the room, who has documented his own history of alcoholism, is, is shocking to me that he is not even being called. And she says, what is it? What is this giving this one date only? Any other witnesses? They'll work out with them to get an acceptable date. What are the terms you want to come in? We'll try to work that out for you. Uh, why, in this case, just the opposite? The fact that they're saying it has to be you versus Kavanaugh on Monday as the only possibility to be heard, I find that not only stifling, but outrageous. Uh, and certainly a lot is riding on this. Uh, Chairman Grassley has said we'll give you until to uh, Christine Ford, we'll give you until 10 o'clock Friday to let us know if you're coming or not. After that, we'll just, if, if we don't hear from you by then, we'll cancel the hearing. Jeff Tubin, our good friend, who's the best uh, legal analyst on television with CNN, uh, he wraps it up kind of what's going to happen if she does testify and if she doesn't. If she refuses to testify on Monday, 
Kavanaugh is getting confirmed. I mean, Jeff Flake has said that. Susan Collins has said that. If she, you know, maintains that this investigation is a sham and I'm not taking part, he is getting confirmed. Now, that may be unfair. That may not be a good thing, a bad thing. I think that's just a factual thing. If she does testify, then I think all the cards are thrown up in the air. He may well be confirmed anyway. But I think everybody should be clear about what the stakes are of her decision to come forward or not. Uh, sums it up, uh, I think, as best as anybody could. And then it, uh, it finally leaves us with a question, which a lot of people are asking, why the rush? I mean, why the haste in figuring that they can only, if they don't get this done Monday, they can't wait another week? They couldn't give her another week anytime at all. Why the rush? Clearly, the rush is because they want to get Brett Kavanaugh on the court. They don't want, if they take any more time, they think they might lose a couple of votes. They want to get him on the court as, far, as extreme right wing as he is in time to be there for the next session of the Supreme Court and clearly in time to be there before the midterm elections when Republicans could lose control of the Senate and not able to get another, another person confirmed to the Supreme Court. It's a political necessity, a political um, polit politics and pressure that is pushing Grassley uh, and Mitch McConnell to rush this to rush this through. We'll keep our eye on that. Maybe we'll know by the end of the day what's going to happen and whether there will be a hearing on Monday or not. Meanwhile, uh, Elaine Chow, the transportation secretary, is in a little hot water. Turned out that she, uh, like other cabinet members, has been uh, spending a lot of uh, taxpayer money to fly her around all, the, all over the country, and these on government planes rather than flying commercial. Um, Reminds us of uh, another guy who used public monies to feather his nest. He used to be administrator of the EPA, Mr. Scott Pruitt. Uh, and we wanted to look into what's happening uh, at the EPA since Scott Pruitt has left. Uh, so we're pleased to welcome to the studio our good friend who is president of the AFGE, American Federation of Government Employees, Local 3331, representing... Uh, the employees of the EPA, Mr. Nate James. Mr. President, it's good to see you back. Good to be here. How are you? I'm well. Now, i got to ask you my first question. You shocked us the last time you were in when we were talking about Scott Pruitt at the time by saying you're president of the employees of EPA who are members of AFGE, and you had never met Scott Pruitt. Still to this day. Still to this day. Have you met the new guy? I have. Oh, all right. <laughs> Progress. Who is he? Uh, Mr. Wheeler. And uh, he sounds good. Uh, we're still a little bit leery from all that's happened at EPA. so uh, uh, I would imagine. We're not buying crack. We're not taking lip service right now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. We want to see what's behind it. And uh, I can say that uh, I think morale is a little bit better than it was the last time we spoke. Uh, but we're still concerned about all the... the the business things that are happening in the agency, the mission. Is he the acting administrator? Is that? Uh, Am I understanding he's the administrator? He he is. Okay, yeah. right. I know at one time he was acting. I wasn't sure whether that had ever been made uh, official. I've or, not heard anything along right. those lines, but I, I think he's acting. Right. Have you seen, is there any difference in policy priorities in the Wheeler EPA than there was in the Scott Pruitt EPA, or is it still Donald Trump's EPA? It's still Mr. Trump's EPA. 
Uh, employees are still a bit tight-lipped. They don't really feel secure in really speaking too much in the open about what's going on. But uh, like I said, the, the the burden of all the corrupt type of behavior that was going on, at least that's been lifted from us. We can kind of try to focus on the, the mission a little bit more. Uh, I hear a lot of people talk about regulations being rolled back and those kind of things. And that's what we're there to do. I mean, we don't drive the ship, but our mission is to protect the environment and human life. And we're finding that hard to do. Harder to do, right. So in terms of the personal stuff, so far as we know, uh, Mr. Wheeler um, doesn't have the um, employees running around to get him his favorite kind of body lotion Uh, or uh, (laughs) or what? his 19, 19 fleet of security vehicles to rush him to uh, restaurants in Washington, La Diplomat, right? I, I'm not right. hearing those type of reports Those anymore. kinds of reports, yeah. That's a good thing. Uh, does, did he, did, does he still have that $45,000 soundproof phone booth in his office? Or is I that haven't been? heard where that's gone, but uh, I, I assume it may still be there, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. know that they tore it down after spending all no, that money on it, right? Yeah. But anyway, on that personal level, he's not... Uh, living high on the hog the way mm, Scott Pruitt was. Not that we can tell. He seems okay. to be a, a genuine fellow. All right. So, but what about, and the more important side of it really are, mm-hmm. the policies protecting the environment, uh, for, per, particularly the, the the clean power plant rules adopted under President Obama affecting coal-fired power plants, both existing and new ones. Uh, in terms of Climate change may be the number one thing that President Obama was able to accomplish. Uh, rolled back under Scott Pruitt and Donald Trump and still gone, right? Definitely. And those are the things that really concern employees. Uh, because that's your mission. That is the mission. And, we, and we're very concerned about that. Uh, under Pruitt, the, 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 the peril day-to-day was on the employees. You know, you say something, you do something that's like not like you could lose your career. The peril that we face today is with the regulatory uh, rollbacks and those kind of things that go against the mission. That puts America at risk. And really, we, we're sworn to try to protect the American public. That's our mission. So what can you do about it? As a union rep, and I'm now looking at the United States as the largest union that I'm aware of, it's going to take everyday people to do extraordinary things. They're going to have to get involved, speak up, speak out, hold their uh, elected officials accountable, and insist that the agency be allowed to accomplish that mission. It's very important. You mean, so um, you're talking about not just your employees, but the American public. We're, we're uh, EPA employees are Americans. We all breathe the same air. We drink the same water. So the mission of the EPA is bigger than just the employees. It's about the American public. It's about the world, really. But if we don't do something as Americans and get involved, we're going to see smog like it's never been before because, it, we, you know, we were still trying to clean up the problems we had prior to EPA coming into existence. So those things are, you know, you're not just rolling back regulations. You're turning the, 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 the hands of time back to where, you know, you're going to see a lot of, of, of health issues come out of so this. So are you talking about people putting pressure on members of Congress? Definitely. To to thereby put pressure on the administration. That's right? correct. Not to do certain things or to maybe reinstate some of the regulations that were turned back. Absolutely. 
um, from a polit- political point of view, put the political pressure on. Well, we see what happens to what, what politicians do when their constituents are active. It's just that uh, ex- ex- constituents on the other side of the, the aisle need to, to get just as, act- as active and insist that uh, some of this nonsense is rolled back to where it should be. Right. Meaning we need to take care of this planet because it's the only one we have. Uh, I haven't seen if, if what's Wheeler's first name? Andrew. Andrew. If Andrew Wheeler walked into this studio right now, I wouldn't recognize him. Probably I mean, not. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen him. Peter, I don't know with you. I've never seen no, him I've on never television. Seen him. Right? So I don't know anything about him. Okay. Uh has he has he given any indication at all that he doesn't agree with the direction Donald Trump has taken the uh agency or the uh, uh or that Scott Pruitt was taking it? Nothing that I've heard. Right. So that's that's my fear, mm-hmm. that he's got the same agenda, but just maybe a softer way of, or a less controversial way or less flamboyant way of going there. So people may not recognize that he's just as dangerous to the environment or, um, you know. As I yeah, stated as, earlier, it's a, you know, you're, you, you seem to be a nice guy, and we want to believe the things that you say, but I would uh, encourage employees and Americans to not just listen to what's being said, watch what's being done. And right now we're seeing and hearing the rollback of clean power, mm-hmm. clean water, uh, methane, and those kind of things. Right. Yeah, the methane was the latest one, right, mm-hmm. where EPA said we're not going to as I understand it, I, I'm summing it up probably incorrectly, but we're not going to um, have the tough regulations on the release of methane as correct. part of the refinery process. That's correct. Right. How, how serious a problem is methane? Now, I'm not a scientist, but uh, <coughs> I try to think of things as if it was happening at home. How much methane or how much gas would we want leaking into our home on a daily basis before we said, hey, we, we've got to do something about this? Now, on a larger scale, you're talking about plants where, where there's an enormous amount of, 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 of oil companies. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And the release of these gases is where is it going? It's going into the environment. And we're going to start to suffer from those ills. You know, the, the, we, 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 we oftentimes, uh, being non-scientists, think of the planet, you know, you can do whatever you want to it. It'll just take care of itself. Well, it will, but it may not be a planet that's uh, suitable for human inhabitation at it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the planet's going to be here with or without us. So if we want to be around, we need to take care of this planet. So that methane release into the air, I think, is going to do some serious damage to folks over time. I mean, there was a time when you could say, sure, we could pollute the streams or something, and the planet will still be here. But, I mean, that was before we had how many billions of people that we've got today that's and before I mean. we have uh, the kind of products and the chemicals and things that we have today that we're releasing into these streams. So, I mean, that that idea that it would all just we dump our trash in the ocean and would all just disappear, that's been right. a long time since that's not the case. That's right. But this this administration seems to be operating as if that's still the case. You can put whatever you want into the atmosphere and it won't have any impact. It'll just float away somewhere else. I right. think behind the scenes, we all know on both sides, whether you're, you're, you're leading the agency or you're sitting in a, a congressional chair, 
we know that these things are, are going to harm. They, they're harmful. We know that. It's not a really about the knowing of, of what's going to hurt people. It's about how much money can we make and how fast. And everyday folks aren't getting any of that money. They're going to be paying into that with their health plans that have been taken away and those kind of things. So we, everyday people have to get involved. I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. We're, we're busy doing our work. I think outside of the D.C. area, people aren't as informed as, as many are here. So the, the, this may be unknown to most of Americans, and we need to do a better job of, of, of getting the word out on these things that are happening in a, in a quick way that everyday people can understand. Okay, so what? So I understand you want, you want everybody to sort of step up, which I think is very, very important, um, because the environment is so important. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about survival of the planet. But what can you do as employees or as the union, uh, AFGE, to get the word out? I mean, do you have any kind of a public campaign? You, I heard something we about have a the, save, save the EPA. EPA. That's correct. Which is that's something led it. by AFGE, the, the the union that I'm a part of, and the Council 238 is is leading that effort. And they have a website out there. You can just kind of Google. Uh, Save the U.S. EPA and, and take a look at that site, and it has a save the U.S. Save EPA? the U.S. EPA, and it has a lot of information out there about what the agency is doing and what impact those actions will have on everyday Americans. Save the U.S. EPA dot org, I guess, right? Is it or correct? Yeah, right. Uh, which tells people how they can enlist or in, in, and chip in, this in effort. And, 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 and raise some cane about what's going on in, inside the agency. It's their agency. This is America's agency, and they really run it. The power is with the people, and when they speak up, things happen. When you, um, so as an employee of EPA, if you come up basically, you publicly then uh, are opposing the policies of Donald Trump or of Andrew Wheeler, who is, by the way, Peter, was just double-checked, still act, officially still acting director, administrator. Um, will you lose, can you lose your jobs because of that? You can. You have to be very careful in, in that arena when you're speaking as an EPA employee. But at the same time, you're still an American. And during your non-duty time, as long as you don't get into politics and that kind of thing, you have every right to go to your congressman, raise your voice, make your concerns known, and insist that they take actions to, to roll back uh, what's happening with these regulations. So right you mean as long as you don't get to the point of endorsing a, candidate, endorsing a particular person against another person right, right in the partisan pol- political fray, on the issues, you can speak out on the issues? That's correct. And still have job security. You're supposed to have job security now. <laughs> yeah, we live in the real world. You know, we don't. We won't say you may not be retaliated against, but there's supposed to be protection in place. And for those, and AFGE representatives do everything they can they can to help those employees. Uh, I I just have a real hard time believing that that particularly almost any administration, but particularly this administration, would allow employees to come out and say no. I disagree with that policy, and I'm not going to carry it out. No, you don't want to do that. That would be pretty much insubordination in, in another realm. But uh, you do have uh, some means to express yourself with your congressmen, your representatives. Uh, you don't want to get out there and, 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 and as an individual, no, as a, as a federal employee, 
go against orders and that kind of thing. But in your private life, you do have a little bit more leeway to speak up uh, as an American citizen. What is your, what do you think right now, uh, we've seen, we've talked about some of the things that we've seen that EPA has done, you know, the clean power uh, um, rules rolled back. What's the next best, or the next worst thing that's, that's in the works right now that we should be concerned about? The thing that it comes to my mind right now, is like, as I mentioned, is the methane. The that, methane. That's the latest thing. Uh, because I'm from me- Michigan. So, I, I mean, I, I grew up in air pollution, and I, I know what that's like. I have relatives that have serious asthma problems. I'm not saying directly. I can't say that it's directly related, but it had to have some impact on some of these folks. And I, I know there's a lot of Americans that say that they've, they've lost loved ones over you know, asthma and heart issues and that kind of thing that may have been caused by air pollution. Mm-hmm. And the methane, just you indicated that. So it's been proposed, but it hasn't actually happened yet, right? Not yet. Right. So it's out for public comment? Is that the I way it works? I would imagine. And they need to, the public needs to comment. Right. So as a, as a head of the AFGE members, federal employees who work at EPA, your message today to Americans around the country who do care about the environment, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's one of the most popular issues today in terms of it, 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 people, people are on board, right? They recognize the importance of it. Of, that's correct. Of <laughs> environmental protection. Um, but so your message to Americans today as an employee of EPA, as a head, again, of the employees of EPA who belong to AFG at least, is what is to get involved, to get engaged, and basically support you, right, in your effort to roll back or hold back some of the things that Donald Trump wants to do in terms of weakening environmental protection. Is their, that right? Their efforts will definitely help EPA employees, but remember, this is your EPA. This is your planet. We've got to step up together. When The employees are not going to be able to do it by themselves. We follow orders. The public can give orders, and, and if they demand that this methane be uh, regulated as it should be and other things, EPA will have to listen to that. So that's a strong message that it's up to us. We can't just uh, say, boy, we hope the EPA employees are able to stop this, boom, 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 boom. No, it's up to us to give them the backing that they need to be able to stop some of this onslaught on the environment. And I think you told us how to do it. Go to savetheusepa.org. Correct. That's where we get the information. Savetheusepa.org. We'll have a link up on our website uh, uh, as well. Thank you, Nate, for fighting a good fight there. All right? Mm-hmm. Give Thank our you. best to all of your uh, fellow union members there. And the AFGE, of course, a proud sponsor of the uh, Bill Press Show under President J. David Cox, for which we are uh, very grateful uh, as well. So keep us up to date. Okay. Will do. We'll get you some help, keep us up to date, and maybe we can uh, at least hold back um, the efforts of Donald Trump to uh, destroy the environment. By the way, related in terms of getting involved and putting some political pressure on, um, that's the work of Rock the Vote as well. has been doing a great job for many years in getting out the vote and registering particularly young people. Carolyn DeWitt is the president of Rock the Vote. She joins us next here on the Bill Press Show. Nate James from AFGE, AFGE AFGE.org. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. All right. Quick break. We'll be right back. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 
And on a Thursday, September 20, uh, here we go, the Bill Press Show. Thanks for being with us today. As we uh, take you quickly through all the news of the day, bring you up to date on what's happening. Get your comments on Twitter at BP Show and then uh, let you go. Enjoy the rest of the day. About another half an hour to go here on the Bill Press Show. And we are pleased to welcome to the studio, uh, heading a great organization, which has a very important role to play, particularly with young people, telling them how important it is to register to vote and get out to vote. I'm talking about Rock of the Vote. Been around since 1990, I guess, right? That's right. Carolyn DeWitt's the president of Rock the Vote here in the studio with us. Hi, Carolyn. It's good to see you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, and before we jump into that, let me uh, ask your help one more time um, by going to our website at BillPressShow.com and being part of the big project here related to my latest book out just a week now, Trump Must Go, the top 100 reasons to dump Trump and one to keep him. I, uh, on the back of the book, kind of sum them all up. It was hard to hold to just 100 reasons, uh, book already out of date the moment it was published. So go to our website at BillPressShow.com. We've asked your help to keep the count going and send us your reasons for dumping Donald Trump. BillPressShow.com, just, uh, there it'll tell you not only how to get a copy of the book, but also you can add your reasons. And I don't know, we may be up to 150 already and we're, and we're climbing, so... That's your job for today. Send us your reason, number one reason for dumping Donald Trump, uh, BillPressShow.com. So, Carolyn, um, I remember uh, first getting in touch with, uh, knowing about Rock the Vote back in the Bill Clinton days. Yeah. when, And so you started in 1990. Of course, he was running in 1992. What's the main mission of the organization? Uh, the main mission is to build the political <coughs> power of young people. And so we uh, do that by fusing technology, pop culture, um, art, music, uh, sort of everything outside of politics and then bringing it to politics and bringing it to civics to get young people engaged in the political process. Uh, is, are, is there any uh, way of uh, calculating how many people you've reached or how many people you've brought in? Or, yeah. So yeah. Um, over the last seven presidential cycles, Rock the Vote has actually been the largest nonprofit voter registration uh, project. And so where do you do it on campuses or where? uh, Actually, uh, largely online. So in 1999, uh, Rock the Vote built the first online voter registration tool before any state was doing it. And we've Hmm. been innovating that ever since. And so uh, over those seven presidential cycles, we've added eight million voters to the rolls. Whoa. Yeah. The tool itself is actually something that we provide to partners for free. We have a white label, a widget version. um, And so we power a lot of uh, behind the scenes. So things like When We All Vote, The March for Our Lives, um, all of that is powered by Rock the Vote technology. Right. Uh, So you can actually, I didn't realize that, you can register to vote online? Yeah, actually 38 states, yeah. I should should know that, but I mean. (laughs) That's okay. Not every state has it, um, as we know. know. I I mean, I I go back to the day, I ran a lot of voter registration drives, Mm -hmm. uh, two or three of them in East L.A., uh, and it was always just sending people out with a clipboard and, and forms that people had to sign. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, uh, so now, actually, it's pretty... Um, 36 states? 38 states. 38 yeah. States. 38 states uh, have online voter registration. 
Um, and in states that do not offer online voter registration, we actually, uh, the, form, the online form <coughs> pre-populates a PDF, the federal form. Uh, uh-huh. PDF form, and then you can uh, print it off and mail it in, and we provide all that information. And one, the, one of the cool things about it is when you enter through the tool, whether it's our tool or a partner tool, you automatically get signed up for election reminders. So we use your address then to, to remind you about any elections you have coming up. Wow. I mean, that's really great. So yeah. there's no excuse not to register to vote, and, and um, particularly in those 38 states. Um, and what, what kind of ID do you have to show or anything? How does that work? So uh, that is state by state uh, dependent, of course. Um, and so we have all of that at rockthevote.org, um, both in terms of uh, registration, what what uh, identification is required for that. Um, and it actually pre-screens. So it asks you for some basic information that determines kind of how you can register in your state. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of voting, we know each state obviously has different ID requirements as well. And we right. provide that information. So, right. So it's rockthevote.org. Huh? Correct. Rockthevote.org. If you, if you type .com in, you'll also get the oh, same I see. website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I <laughs> yeah. don't know you could do either uh, do either one. Uh, I know, I remember, if I recall correctly, um, Bill Clinton played the sax at one Rock the Vote event, I believe, way back well, Arsenio Hall had a big. <laughs> I mean, you, you've had a lot of. I guess we're getting at a lot of celebrities over the years. Yeah, that's right, absolutely who right. Who help get attention to the to the drive and mm-hmm. bring young people in, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. who's active today? Uh, we actually have quite a few. Uh, you know, the one fascinating thing is, as the organization has changed, also the who is a celebrity to young people has changed oh, largely yeah, because yeah. Of the internet, right? Um, sure. And so that changes a lot of our work as well, but. Um, and uh, folks you might not even think of, Yara Shahidi, of course, uh, has our 18 by 18 campaign that we um, power the back of that. Yara Shahidi, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people I, are. It's not. I, no, I knew that you were okay. going to start naming people that I have no idea who they are. I won't. That's okay. No, if Peter doesn't know who they are, then you're really in yeah, trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you so far. Okay. Uh, Yara uh, stars in uh, the ABC show uh uh, blackish. She also has her own show now called Grownish mm-hmm. um, on uh, Disney Freeform. Uh, Logan Browning, who is um, the main character in Dear White People. Uh, we also, I would say, it's it's almost harder to say who's not supporting yeah, really. um, than it is to yeah. Um, no Tony Bennett. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny no, though. All no the you know Parton. all the. Where's Carol King on this? <laughs> Carol King. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It, it is amazing uh, the because of the history of the organization, the, kind of the the wide range of folks who uh, want to engage with with Rock the Boat. So yeah, no, it's got yeah. it, it, it's had a great run, I think, mm-hmm. and great great mm-hmm. reputation, and has done amazing things. You know, I, I had a question about because you know I've 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 been voting now for about twenty years, and there's always been this uh, sort of just accepted reality that young people don't turn out to vote. And I think that that's changed a lot, actually. I mean, I think that we've seen a lot of political norms get smashed in, like, the last two years, right? But as long as I've been voting, that's just something that I've always heard. And it's, and it's for the most part, rang fairly true. I think Barack Obama's election was, I think, a, a, a lot different. But before then, certainly, you could sort of take it to the bank that young people don't vote in the numbers that, that older citizens do. Has that changed? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a very common uh, talking point. And I think the larger talking point a lot of times is young people just aren't engaged at all, not just voting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that that's not true, especially this year. You're saying that with the um, March for Our Lives and with even before that, Black Lives Matter and um, uh, the activism on Wall Street as well, even before that. Um, the the what we have seen over the last 30 years, except for a little blips here and there with Clinton and with Obama and and Bernie, of course, in the in the primary um, is there is a, a downward trend of youth turnout. Um, unfortunately, uh, it, certainly in the presidential years, even more so in the midterm years. And one of the main reasons that we see over and over again, as the research tells us, that uh, is uh, has to do with the one young people being unfamiliar and uh, unfamiliar with the process and the consequences of registering Mm -hmm. and voting, um, and also very self-conscious about their understanding of our government system. So a lot of it ties back to civics education. Right. Uh, To what extent, uh, uh, how big a factor is, are the candidates who are running? I mean, one thing we see this year, Mm -hmm. look at uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, look at uh, Ayanna Presley. You know, look at Andrew Gillum, um, particularly women, mm-hmm. but younger candidates, younger women. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, I think, I forget her name now, but there's a young woman in Texas, I think, who'd be the youngest member of Congress, right? And it happens mm-hmm. to be a woman, a person mm-hmm. of color. Mm-hmm. Um, are young people more likely now? Bernie may be the exception, right? Come to think of it. But are younger candidates more likely to appeal to younger voters? Uh, I don't think just because they're younger that they're appealing to younger voters. I think that the perhaps the fact that they are young and they're speaking about issues and they're not speaking down to them is probably something that resonates more with young people. Um, I do think historically what we've seen is, uh, you know, sort of some uh, candidates uh, like you named and in the past, Bernie, Obama, Clinton, who have done a tremendous job at being able to increase the energy and the interest of, of young people. Um, but it's very dangerous just to have, you know, star candidates be the only motivator to young people's political engagement. Um, and so what we really try and do is focus on the issues and where and help young people see where candidates, no matter if they're, they have big star power or, you know, if they're very charismatic, where those candidates fall on the issues and how they align with their values. That's that's uh, noble of you, <laughs> but I do think you cannot ignore the fact. Let's say let's take a Beto yep. O'Rourke yep. in Texas. Yep. I mean, it's hard not to like him, right? Yep. Take a young person, and he's young, and he's got such energy, uh, and he is great on the issues too. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's more I think his style, style. right? Yep. That is really a, a, attracting. Yeah, people. I think that's right, and I think. Young people, you see, I think the style also is uh, straightforward, right? I think young people are, don't want um, any BS. They don't want, uh, they want straight talk. They want to be uh, part of the conversation. They want to be taken seriously. And I think you do tend to see that with younger candidates, definitely. What about, so what was the secret of Bernie? Why, I mean, millennials turned out for Bernie where he's so excited about Bernie and he was 74 years old. Why? Uh, 
you know, it's uh, issues again. Yeah, I would say the issues. Um, although I would say, you know, I think a few candidates were talking about the issues. I think there were. Uh, I think he did a really. He had a really strong ground game. Um, but I think he specifically came out very strong on on education. And I think young people, especially right now, are feeling you know crippling doubt with their higher education. Um, and trying to struggle to find jobs that actually pay their their debt and struggling to find jobs that they went to school for. Mm-hmm. Uh, rock the Vote. It's Rock the Vote, rockthevote.org. Uh, check it out and uh, the great work that they're doing. Now, so um, with my new book, I had a, an event here in Washington, D.C. last night, Trump Must Go, at Politics and Prose, and I was really excited because there's a whole gang of students from Catholic University who came. Um, college kids, most of them were freshmen and sophomores. Um, and um, to me, it was exciting because I see, uh, and this was further evidence of it, that this year there is such excitement and momentum among particularly young people mm-hmm. in the political system, maybe more than we've seen in a long time. Is that, am I, yeah. Sensing that correctly? Yeah, that's absolutely correctly. Yeah. Um, uh, why? And what's what's driving them? <laughs> uh, I think I think it's great. Yeah. You know, no, it's it's amazing. I, I mean, do... turnout and registering. Are you seeing that happening? Yeah, I think we I do think young people are going to turn out to vote in um, significantly higher levels than we've seen in the past. In 2014, turnout was 19.9 percent among young people. Um, which is wait, don't give me that in yep. 2014. Yep, 19.9%. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Um, and what Oof. what we see, in, and I what's your of, definition of young people? Uh, 18 to 29 is generally, um, there are you can you can kind of break it down and you see differences between 18 to 24, 25 to 29, and then 30 to 34. Um, and we, so in a sense, the people that have, I'm sorry, keep it yeah, up, but no, the people okay. that have the most at stake in terms of more years ahead of them, so more th- therefore impacted mm-hmm. by the policies, are turning out to vote at a lower percentage. Yeah. And, a, and uh, like I mentioned before, a large part of that is uh, <coughs> because they are unfamiliar with the process. So young voters do not participate at the same rate that older voters do, in large part because because they're new voters, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's something that Rock the Vote is working on right now. Uh, we just launched a program this week called Democracy Class, uh, in which it is a free one-period curriculum on the history and importance of voting. And one of the exciting things about it is that uh, immediately after learning about the about the power of voting, young we're registering and pre-registering students in the classroom. Right. Uh, so... Um the, I guess ideally you want to get it up, you know, to whatever fifty, sixty percent. I don't know what the personal population is, but in terms of power of the young vote, um, what percentage, not who vote, but what percentage of the voting population is eighteen to nineteen? So it's eighteen to twenty. Yeah. So um, this is the largest. This is an incredibly huge, big generation. So it's not only the largest; it's the most diverse generation in our country's history. Um, by 2020, uh, young people will comprise nearly 40% of the electorate. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's... They have surpassed baby boomers as the largest voting bloc. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And certainly far surpassed seniors then. Sure. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 40%. I mean, just 
I mean, think of the power mm-hmm. of the forty percent. Basically, you yep. know, you could, if, if if they really, they could decide the direction of our communities, our country. They could, yes, they have incredible power, uh, and we just have to. And I, I, you see them engaged, as we mentioned. Um, we just have to kind of show them the way of how they actually leverage that power. Right? And do they? Is is this energy and this excitement? Um, which I think we've already seen reflected in some special elections in terms of mm-hmm. turnout. I mean, mm-hmm. turnout has been up in almost every special election. Record numbers of people voting. Yeah, I mean, I like Florida, to, Andrew uh, Gillum, right? Record yeah. numbers turning out on election day. Yeah. It, when you educate young people on um, the issues they care about, what the actual office does, and then on the candidates, you see incredible engagement rates. So one of the one of the talking points I like to bring up is actually, or the stories I like to bring up is Philadelphia last year had a very big district attorney race, um, and turnout uh, since twenty from twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen went up two among young people two hundred and seventy nine percent. Wow. For a district attorney's race yes. in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. 279% increase in turnout among young people. Wow. So that is, so what we really see is it is education that needs to really happen, um, both in terms of the issue, how the issues are impacted, um, what the offices do, and then who the candidates are. And uh, do you see, do you find this uh, energy and this excitement uh, across the board or mainly on the left? Uh, that's a great question. I think it is across the board. Uh, I think young people are very much grappling with the with knowing that they are powerful um, right now and feeling like they are inheriting a country and a system that um, needs to be uh, improved upon greatly. And uh, and what you see is young people aren't actually identifying with the parties in the same ways that uh, older generations and older voters have historically. And you saw that actually in voter turnout um, and in the uh, votes in 2016 to some extent. There was more than a doubling of independent vote. Um, So actually in young people at Circle of Tufts University does some incredible research. Young people are uh, increasingly identifying as progressive, but less likely to identify with either party. Hmm. Yeah, a progressive, yes, but not necessarily Democrat or Republican. Correct. So mm-hmm. progressive, independent. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so what is your goal this year? Or do you set a goal? Like how many, I guess it's a matter of bringing new pe- new young people in but then also keeping them involved, right? That's right, yeah. In midterm years, but, because that drop-off, it's a significant get-out-the-vote effort for all of those registered young voters who just don't turn out. Mm-hmm. And then in, and then also in registering new voters as well. Right. Uh, registering new voters, any numbers this year that have you been, you must track them. We're tracking them. Uh, really the big, what we see, uh, not surprising, it's not just exclusive to young people, but everyone waits until the last minute to do it. Yeah. Um, next Tuesday is National Voter Registration Day, which is a national holiday that pushes voter registration out there. There are um, thousands of organizations that participate in it across the country. They do digital um, on the field, on the ground uh, events. And that sort of kicks off the start of registration deadlines. So a lot of people may not even realize that there are registration deadlines happening. 
Yeah, I mean, they have to for, to vote this November. Um, what is the deadline? For? So each state is different. Yeah. It's a great question. Uh, and you can go to rockthevote.org to find that information okay. out. Um, but I would encourage you to do it sooner rather than later and not, and yeah. not hold off. Right? I mean, we know that like New York State is ridiculously early. Uh, oh yes, it's uh, uh, yes. New York is. And I, I don't know what every obviously what every state <laughs> is, but but if you're getting you're talking about next Tuesday is the twenty fifth, I believe, of, of September. Yep. Yeah, that that's not more than a month, six weeks right. like before election day. Right. And that's you can right. register up to election day in some states? In some states they have same day registration, but I would not rely on that. That is an exception, not the rule. Um, most states have uh, registration deadlines at the beginning to mid of October. Yeah. To what extent do you work together with, if at all, mm -hmm. uh, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party? So, I mean, they're both obviously interested in getting young voters to sign up. Yeah. So we are a nonprofit. We're nonpartisan. Um, we help as much as we can. Our mission, though, is for young people to participate in the political process. So we are agnostic as far to, as far as parties. Do they provide any money for Rock the Vote? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Would you take it? <laughs> no, you don't have to answer that. You do not have to answer that question. Okay. No, you're out there just to, to get people to, involved in the political process. That's correct. Um, do you still do these? Uh, I, I remember, I think I remember Rock the Vote like rallies, you know, or, mm -hmm. or concerts, concerts, whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, we, uh, for what we're actually kicking off is a, a program right now called Vote Fest. So as you may know, the voting experience is not always that fun. You oftentimes wait in line alone by yourself. And so what we are trying to do is make voting uh, more social, more communal, more celebratory. Uh, and so we will be doing some events. We have some partnerships that will be doing concerts, film screenings, um, different things out in the communities during early voting. Uh, but then we also have a toolkit that individuals or local groups, local businesses could even uh, download and it helps them put on their own event. Uh, and we're leveraging our partnerships to kind of help provide resources, not necessarily money, but some sort of uh, product for those local events. Are there any states that, um, or parts of the country that are more, you know, uh, fruitful, if we will? <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's funny you ask that. Uh, I would say this year has so many uh, races and ballot measures up and down um, that there is not one election that is, you know, uh, that is lesser. Uh, I would say there are probably about 20 states that we focus on right now. Um, so, uh, and what are some of the big ones just in terms of <coughs> potential, sure. potential? I mean, Florida obviously has a, a very big governor's, uh, and Senate race. Uh, we also have the ballot measure there, which is the second chance run by the second chances coalition, which is restoring the voting rights to 1.4 million. Mm -hmm. Um, Felonies? that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michigan is a big race as well, or Michigan is a big state as well. We have the governor's race. Um, and there's an independent redistricting uh, measure there on the ballot. So uh, these are states where there are issues that young people should be interested in and would be interested in. Absolutely. So the potential for getting them turned on by the candidates running and by the issues, the combination, right, are yep. like make them good target areas for you. 
They make them yeah. good target areas, but also helping to, you know, they may not be always the most exciting issues, but we know that how much they will impact young people. And so part of our job becomes educating young people on what those issues are. Mm-hmm. So Florida, Michigan is another one. Yeah. Ohio also is another one. Um, Nevada has automatic voter registration. Um, and you have some very high profile Nevada races as well. Uh, yeah. Texas is an interesting area right now. Uh, Pennsylvania. So there's no there's no shortage of, of places. Right. Yeah. No, you can see that. Uh, I, I could see Texas. I mentioned Better O'Rourke before. I mean, Absolutely. certainly. Yeah, and Georgia's uh, Georgia, Georgia has some amazing things going on, um, both on the ballot on ballot issues, but also um, in terms of the governor's race. And there's, uh, yeah, you could have a you could have a show just going over each state and um, covering what's sort of the the hot topic points. Yeah, races. it's so exciting what's <clears throat> going on today. I think there's just so much energy and and excitement in the in the political process and mm-hmm. uh, you know you're right in the heart of it just congratulate you for the great work that you're doing and check it out at rock the vote rock the dot org uh and all of you young people watching and listening get out there if you haven't already done so and register to vote and join rock the vote.org carolyn dewitt's the president of rock the vote thanks so much for coming in today thanks for having me uh hey folks that's it for this thursday we'll keep our eye on that big um controversy over uh, the Friday M- Monday hearing of the Senate Judiciary Committee and we'll see you this tomorrow. This is the Bill Press show.